0: Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier, and today's topic is focusing on mentorship, and it really starts out with, in order to make recovery from addiction work, an individual needs a support network. It is one of the cornerstone components of recovery that's talked about in almost all programs, and whether whatever model it is of recovery or a program that talks about you know how to make it work with treatment that somewhere along the line in order to make recovery successful to maintain abstinence you know day to time even but long term that you can't do it by yourself you need help you need a support network and part of it is i've always said this when it comes to why you need help and a support network is most of the time people try to do it on their own and that gets you exactly to where you are which is needing help and reaching out for help or being put in the position where you are offered help and it's crucial that people around you who can help you along the way and i'm always reminded of what bill w said which is for ourselves not by ourselves and i've previously brushed up on this topic in relation to asking for help in a previous podcast episode there are a lot of challenges when it comes to asking for help and developing a support network we need to develop a network of people that will support recovery if we do not we risk being around others who may put us at risk for continued use or relapse or we risk becoming isolated which isn't good so In connection to challenges with Support Network, there are always a few that stand out to me from the get-go, which is, one, someone thinks that they can do it on their own. Probably tried this many times, um, believing that I can. It's important for me to, or I want to. I want to try this on my own. But more and more times that someone sees me Or even the first time they see me is probably not the first time they've tried stopping it, controlling it, managing it. There's probably been attempts before in the past which have been unsuccessful, which eventually leads to needing another source of help, which is other people. Number two is that when I ask people about who is your support network or who do you rely on for support, there's oftentimes one person that they depend on. When they do that it's really hard to make that work because that's really not a network. When someone does understand the need to get help or support, they, they rely on that one person, but that one person is not enough for all the support that is needed. And one person can't always be the support you need. They can't always be available. They might not be able to be the type of support that you need, Which is why I always encourage people to have open dialogues and conversations with the people in their support network about this is what I specifically need. Can you do this? Can I rely on you for that? And if the person can, you know, hey, welcome aboard. You're part of the team. But if not, that's nothing against them. You know, so no one is forced or required to be a part of that network. But we should be asking people about it because we might be holding them to expectations to help us when they don't even know what that is or what that entails. So the third point is even when someone does have only one person, which is risky enough, that one person is often someone that is really close to them, whom has been harmed or impacted by the addiction, and having them be the sole source of support is risky. It is risky because it can add strain to a relationship that's already been damaged by addiction. So I hear it all the time when it becomes, you know, my significant other, uh, my parents. And there's nothing wrong with having them being a part of your support network. But depending on them entirely for it is not, to me, that's not a good choice. That's, there's some holes in that. There's some weakness in that because they've already been through a lot and, Part of you needs to work on building that relationship gaining trust but also depending on them to be all of your support is a lot of strain on them so that kind of leads into to four is that it's important to acknowledge that one person is not solely responsible for that and i did touch up on that in a previous episode called asking for help that that they're not bound to support you in your recovery asking them for it talking with them you need to realize that some people can be a part of your support network, but sometimes you need to find other people. And you can't rely on the one person or the person that you're close to to being that entire network because that's not a network, really. That's a support person, not a support network. So avoiding putting people in positions where needing um, help in which they have limitations or not able to do so. One of the tools I utilized a lot with building a support network came from a substance use brain injury bridging project workbook that helps participants build a support network. And part of the information goes into different types of support you need. And it identifies five different types. I'm going to go over them with you. The first one's emotional, someone who will listen to you and who you can talk to about feelings. Another one is moral, someone who will encourage you practical someone who you can ask for help with everyday tasks such as like transportation mentorship someone you can look to for guidance and instruction and recreational which is someone you can have fun with and normally i start out with you you need to find someone and multiple people who can fill those roles you know you're kind of like building your roster your team and the entire focus for today's podcast is one I believe to be like really underutilized and really forgotten. Now, it's hard developing any kind of support network. I'm not dismissing that. It's not easy to just go out and build your team. It's not just an easy thing to do. I recognize there are a lot of challenges and difficulties of doing it. I believe the best chances you have of making recovery from addiction successful is by having all these types of support available available. And full of different people who can provide them. So most of the time, I start out, I'm asking, you know, what is your current network look like? You know, what's missing? Which one do you believe is most important to start developing to make your chances of success in recovery possible? Because some people also have nobody that's a part of their support network. And we got to really start from scratch. You know, this is kind of like a sports movie where you become the manager And the team that's there is not going to work. It's not going to last. You got to go out and search and find players. You got to travel. You got to look around, make some phone calls. You got to see who can be a part of your team. And that's not easy to do. But the one I see most neglected is really mentorship. People usually start with finding some kind of support for the emotional, the practical, and even recreational. You know, when you get into treatment and Hopefully, you reach some sobriety. One of the things you have to do is start facing your emotions. This is one of the reasons why it's important for someone to to have emotional support. When you start getting your life back together, you might need to go to meetings, take care of some financial problems, etc., and you might need some practical help. Boredom is a big relapse factor, and this is why we talk about trying new things and engaging in positive activities. Therefore, we discuss the need for recreational support. In this episode, I want to talk about one of the main reasons why I believe mentorship is easily forgotten and pushed aside. So, looking at the idea of a mentor, mentorship, who do you look up to? You know, who inspires you? Who do you admire? We all have people that we kind of look up to in various parts of our lives. And There are sometimes people that we look real close to us, but there are sometimes that we look up to people who are a little bit too far away, and some are even further than others. So what I mean by that is we might have like a historical figure that we look up to. We read all their work, like their books, we watch videos of them, and aspire to be like them. We might have a music artist that inspires us. We listen to their music or like follow them on social media. We might have a celebrity figure that we admire. We follow like their particular work and listen to what they say regarding specific issues. We might have a an athlete that motivates us. You know, we watch their performances and we try and even imitate what they do in hopes of someday getting to a point where we feel is motivated or successful. We might have a business individual, leadership, entrepreneur that drives us. So we read their books, we pay attention to their leadership programs, we listen to like their podcasts or their speeches. And the biggest question that I found in relation to all this is, what is your relationship with those people? And part of that is to realize that we need people who we admire who inspire us, who motivate us, drive us, and encourage us to be the best we can be in good times and in bad, in triumphs and tribulations and failures and successes. And overall, we need and want them, but we need to be able to develop you know, healthy relationships with them so when we are in need, they are a part of our support network. And a few years ago, I took a trip uh to south dakota so here in wisconsin i drove by myself all the way out to south dakota It was one of the best trips i've ever taken and when i went there i definitely wanted to see mount rushmore and the crazy horse memorial and you go there and for both places you you're driving there and you can kind of see from afar where they are you can notice them and then as you get into the areas you you park the car however you get there and you can continue to keep walking closer and closer you you see you know how how beautiful they look how magnificent they are and you get closer and closer but no matter how far you get there's a point where you can't reach them anymore you know i can't go up there and and touch them and stuff like that, and when you look at Mount Rushmore, you can feel that, but even Crazy Horse, which is one of the most amazing things I've seen, that you can't go up there, and it makes you think about also who's up there, and those individuals are not around anymore. So even though you can get up close to it and really see the beauty of the site that it is, I believe it's more important to think about when it comes to mentors, finding people who you can have direct relationships with. It represents the fact that there are some people who do inspire us, motivate us, and we admire that we can't do that for. And despite how today's technology does increase the ability to connect with like music artists, athletes, celebrities, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and stuff like that, even though we may have an interaction with them, we still need mentors who we can develop close and personal relationships with. So sometimes we create our own Mount Rushmore and Crazy Horse memorial of mentors. You know, so for example, you know, as a counselor, I have always looked up to Viktor Frankl. You know, to this day, I still use a lot of his work, his quotes. Um, I recommend his book, A Man's Search for Meaning, to a lot of people. It's probably up there as like a top 10 book to read. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. You know, sometimes when I'm thinking I need some guidance and some leadership or look to someone to provide me with some answers or understanding, that is someone who I might look into and think about, you know, what has he done what has he said what does his work tell me i can look it up i can see it and everything but in reality what is my relationship with him and for one never have one but he's not around anymore so i need mentors who i can develop relationships with in regards to like the counseling and the therapy that i do so when it comes to like counseling i have you know some clinical supervisors, some other counselors, and even other professionals in the field who I identify as mentors that I can have those relationships with, and I reach out to them when needed, when things are getting tough as a counselor, or when I do have some serious questions about things, or I want some guidance on going towards something or working towards a specific project or an idea, or looking at schooling, or looking at teaching, or looking at different things. Those are the people who I need to be able to have relationships with so I can connect with them. That is my support network for my role as a counselor. So another one is running. Like running is a big part of my life. And there's some Mount Rushmore's and Crazy Horse of mentors that you know include like scott jurek micah true jim walmsley um katra corbett like these are individuals who i've read their books you know i've read their articles about them in magazines uh follow some of them on social media i've watched documentaries and there could be a day where i could potentially somehow connect with them you know in different various means and as inspiring and motivating as they are I need closer people in my life to be my running mentors. So, when it comes to mentors for running, that could be my brother. Uh, that's Annie, who was a podcast guest before when we talked about nutrition. These are people who I can reach out to when needed when it comes to running. You know, they are individuals I can connect with and have relationships with when it comes to support I need for ultra running. So when I'm faced with a challenge, when I'm going through like training or when I have questions, when I might have doubts, when I might have concerns, when I'm not sure of what to do, when I'm doing a race I've never done before, I have individuals who I can go to, who I can express those things, have conversations with, and have a relationship with. They are my support network. I can't fully rely on some of those professionals to really be the support network I need. Now, they can still be inspiring. They can still have tips and information. But when I'm really facing like serious doubts or when I'm concerned about a specific thing, then those are the people that I can go to because I have relationships with them. I can reach out to them and, and talk about this stuff. So I believe finding mentors when it comes to recovery from addiction is really difficult it is not something to just easily find when you are even among those in recovery from addiction you know sometimes you are surrounded by people who are struggling just as much as you are so you can read books by people who are um you know well known after they've battled their addiction and they've shared their story These are people you can go listen to, um, speak, or through podcasts. You can learn from them and be motivated by them, but you also need people who you can talk to, express things to, look for guidance in relation to your recovery. People that you can have those types of conversations with. And it's difficult. I, I get it. I really understand it. And that's why it's more important to try and just start somewhere to look at who could be a mentor or what is it that I'm looking for in a mentor in this area so when you look at it here are like some tips for trying to find that mentorship and the first one is review the definition of mentorship when it comes to support remember that a mentor is someone who you can look to for guidance and instruction second thing you can do is ask yourself when it comes to what you need in order to make recovery from addiction successful who are those people in your life that you can go to for guidance and instruction for that specifically for your recovery from addiction who do you go to for guidance and instruction which leads to number three, be specific when it comes to finding someone who can do that or who has that knowledge and experience. This is one where going to mom and dad or going to um, a significant other might not be the best. And it doesn't mean that they can't help you or support you, but mom and dad or significant other might not know the best guidance when it comes to the addiction recovery piece they might not understand the addiction and recovery they might not know some of the challenges that you face so you need to find someone that has that knowledge and experience so in in my examples that I gave the counseling mentors are needed differently in comparison for those who I have for running I might be able to go to someone else for a different kind of support. When it comes to mentorship, if I'm having issues with something counseling related, I need to go to them. That's why I have them. When I have issues with running or I need some support with running, that's who I have to go to. I go to those individuals. And I think the fourth and big one that is really all about where I learned this from And how I kind of put this concept together is that you got to find mentors close to you. Ones that you can develop relationships with. The ones you can reach out to when you truly need it. As much as it would be cool to have some of those people be a part of your support network. Some of the people we look up to who are really far away. We can't depend and rely on them. To be the support we really need when we're faced with some of the obstacles, barriers, and challenges of recovery. And they might not even be the ones who know how to do it, even if we did. So I'm saying you can have your Mount Rushmore and and Crazy Horse Memorial people. But you got to find ones that are closer to you that you can have relationships with. So there's nothing wrong with looking up to certain people who motivate you and inspire you however we cannot look to depend on people as our support who are too far away and then surround ourselves with those who are not able to support us so really start building your closer connection of mentors until next time